there's no doubt that the old politics of the two-party system is now gone and over. I don't need lectures from you or anybody on, on the Sinn Féin side of the house. We're very reluctant to kind of say what's red lines, but, but we do have to take climate seriously. There's going to be constant criticism, there's going to be a lot of disappointment, and whoever goes into government is going to be unpopular. Okay. Hello and welcome to the Your Politics podcast from RTE News. It's been a difficult week for the government on the eviction ban and we have also seen the return of independent deputies wielding some leverage. To discuss all of this, we are joined by RTE political correspondents Michal Lahan and Paul Cunningham and Nuuk political correspondent Sarah Nirida. So first, the government got through one vote on the eviction ban, but at a cost, and there are more votes to come next week. So, Sirka, bring us up to date. Where are we at with all of this? Yes, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's you. breath. It's like whoa. That's the rest of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been an extraordinary week, really. You know, and I suppose we all knew that the government were going to have a job in pushing this over the line. But um, and that NASA Harrigan was probably not going to vote with them in the end. And it really did put them under pressure. And I suppose the lie of the <coughs> land now is that she's gone um, and the government are dependent on the regional TDs to support them. And they came up with, they cobbled together an agreement this week based on it's these amendments. Oh, sorry, <laughs> not an agreement, but what exactly is it? Yeah, yeah. These amendments, these eight amendments that they had, which we're already hearing that there's some dissatisfaction with. And so is that going to keep for next week's vote of no confidence? I don't know. They like to call these things understandings, don't they? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Michal, next week there's two more votes. Just tell us about those and they're a bit different. Yeah, well, there's the confidence motion, which is the big one. That's the Labour uh, move. And that essentially means if that's defeated, there's an election within four weeks. So I think that will focus Nobody minds. wants that. I don't think so. But I, I do think it's probably going to be slightly different because if you look like someone like Sean Canney, who was the main architect in devising that thing that wasn't an agreement, uh, but yet was agreed to by government to get the regional independence on board, he probably won't vote confidence in the government next week for the simple reason that he didn't vote uh, when Michal Martin was appointed Taoiseach. He didn't vote, give the yes vote that time. He didn't give the yes vote when Leo Varadkar was. So supporting the government next week for him might be a bit of a stretch but people like Noel Grealish come back into the picture it would be expected that Michael Lowry would be there again and perhaps Cahal Berry it might be too much for Matt Shanahan as well uh, to vote confidence in the government next week so they should have the numbers but I think there will be a whole new round of negotiations through the weekend and it probably will be on bread and butter stuff for constituencies no one will ever admit this they will all say these things were in the pipeline anyway but the whole dynamic of government has changed as a result of NASA Harrigan breaking ranks uh, this week and now the, those negotiations and those ongoing degree of context will inevitably become more formalised in the period ahead and they will they will work for next week and they will survive the votes but it shows the kind of pressure that that decision around the lifting of the evictions ban has caused for our government. I mean it's interesting if you think about it because the vote which took place yesterday is now Thursday afternoon so the vote that took place on Wednesday afternoon was a private member's motion put forward by Owen O'Brien of Sinn Féin and that is non-binding on the government. So even if the opposition had won, the government could have noted it and then ploughed on. But there was something beyond that. It was nearly a sense that it was a first domino. If the private member's motion had been passed, that would have raised questions about the government's majority, which would raise questions within government. And so it took on this additional um, power and level of importance. And even though it was concluded favourably for the government, as Miho just a line um, alluded to, 
you know, a bigger vote is coming next week. So, and then you've got the eviction ban itself running out. And you've got this Sinn Féin, next week they're going to press it again. They're going to press it in the form of a bill to extend the eviction ban and the government won't be able to put a counter motion to that. Yeah, and it just shows you how much emphasis uh, and importance that the opposition parties are putting on it. And this isn't just next week. It will continue to roll on because once the eviction ban is lifted, it's not a cliff edge. It is a phased return to evictions. Everyone's going to be looking at the homelessness numbers. And if there is this remorseless increase in the numbers around 11,700, which is already a record, but if that starts jumping up in thousands, then it will reflect badly on the government who are saying we have measures in place to try and help people and people will have alternatives. So it is a, a consequential thing. It is going to be, I believe, that vote and the series of votes coming out next week will be remembered by the time of the next election. And I think everyone is looking at the, will be looking at those eviction numbers and it's on that that so much will pivot. The stakes well, are can, high and I know yeah. that opposition, sorry, Sirica, <coughs> always say that, but Mick Barry talking about things like the VAT on children's shoes from the 1980s, the reduction in the pension from the 1920s saying that this decision is akin to those and could have the same lasting political impact. If that is the case, well then, these are very historic moments indeed. It may not be, but I think we'll know very quickly, as Paul says, about those figures. If the homeless figures rise, well then very clearly what government has been saying, and they have been saying that notices to quit does not necessarily mean that people will find themselves in emergency accommodation, that alternatives will be found. Opposition adamant, there are no alternatives. So we'll know who's right and who's wrong on this very quickly. Well, that's exactly the point that I was going to make, is that it seems to me that... (laughs) 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 Yeah, thanks, Michal. But the the Sinn Féin or the opposition seem to have controlled the narrative the whole way through this and sort of um, been very successful in pushing the idea that there are thousands and I've heard the word tsunami being used in terms of the amount of people who are going to be homeless as a result of this. First used by the and Social the, Democrats and then adopted by Labour and then adopted by others. Yeah, but like that <coughs> is scaremongering as well for people. You know, and there are seen people huge out there. there. Yeah, you see those stories night after night. Yeah, I think it is unfair in some way to push that so hard when they don't actually, they, they don't know that that's really going to be the case. The justification we won't know until the figures come out. It. Maybe they do, maybe they do, but it's hard to, you know, push that. I think it's unfair to push it so hard when we don't know that that's true, that those are the facts. And we have to find out what is actually going to happen when this um, comes to an end. Paul, let's look at the independence in detail because we haven't seen this at play in this government at all. Independence having leverage, they found their moment this week and the regional independence really pushed that leverage. They say that they got something. But Leo Radker, the Taoiseach today, says there's no formal constituency deals going on. So what's happening? I suppose the first thing you do is you look at the government numbers. And that's really from that everything else flows. As it currently stands there, um, or just before the vote, there were 81 um, uh, TDs for the government in a 160 seat chamber. If you take out the Keown Corla, that's 159. Um, And what we've seen since then, they had a pretty good idea that Nasa Harrigan, the Green Party's Dublin Central TD, that she was going to go overboard. She was going to vote with the opposition. So that brought the government down to 80. So the slimmest possible majority. So if just one more TD like Patrick Costello of Dublin South Central, another Green TD, if he'd gone um, overboard, then the government was going to be in a minority situation. So the driving force, the thinking behind this was, let's bolt on some independent support. They've always been able to rely on a number of them, but this was getting into tricky territory, so it was going to be formalised in a little, uh, in a better way. And you had the regional independent group, a number, of, there's about eight of them, 
And the majority of them... About or is there? There is. Well, the complication (laughs) is that while Padre Tobin of Ainthu is part of the technical group, he isn't part of the regional group, just in case you didn't know that, Michal. And um, so there was eight and, you know, five of them usually vote with the government, depending on what the vote is about. And you could see, as Michal mentioned, that Sean Canney wanted to try and make this a little bit more formalised. Even it was an understanding... That's what they were going to do. So five of them came together. And one would expect in the coming weeks, because NASA Harrigan has been pushed out of the Green Party for 18, 15 months? 15. 15 months. That means they are still going to have the slimmest majority for that period of time. And even if you do have someone like Joe McHugh, Fine Gael outside the Parliamentary Party, who usually votes for them, they still have that 80-seat position. And that's why independents are more important. That's why the regionals in particular are a focus of attention. And it'll be fascinating to see how the government tries to beguile them, engage with them, pull them in, sign them up over the rest of the term of this government. There has been some tough talk, though, from the Taoiseach that he can manage minority uh, governments. And I suppose that was interesting, too, because was there a feeling at some point that this government could be heading for an election in 2024? The talk this week has been more about consolidating things uh, and I think, too, they will look at those numbers and they will compare them to the defective block scheme uh, in July when the government actually, when Joe McHugh went and Patrick Costello and Nasa Harrigan were outside the Greens at the time, actually lost their working majority. And that was 74 to 69. So that was a closer vote in the end. But th- it does feel different this time because it feels different, as Paul was saying, because Nasa Harrigan, in real terms, is never coming back now. Uh, and there is a vulnerability there. And, and that that changes things. It's just how formal will it get? Will it get to the point of sending helicopters uh, down the road to bring independent TDs back for key votes, as happened in the 97 government when Jackie Healy Ray was supporting it? Could it come to that? I think it's interesting that the government themselves have admitted that now that they are, well, I don't know how many of them have admitted it, but I just did an interview with Otting Smith a short time ago and asking him about the Green Party reaction to, um, you know, was it fair for the 15-month ban? And um, he's saying, you know, that they have to realise now that the independents have more power than they had and that this is now going to be a feature in government as they go on. And it's, it is a pivotal moment, I suppose, when they admit that themselves. And and governments, as they continue, I suppose, they, they, they lose people <laughs> as they go. And we've seen that. Joe yes. McHugh... Mark McSharry, now NASA Harrigan, their, their numbers get tighter. Exactly. It's attritional unless you're making it's those different bigger decisions. Joe McHugh and Mark McSharry are different, uh, have different relationships with government now. Well, but Mark McSharry voted um, against the against government. The government yeah. Yeah. Mm. But it is attritional. You are making those big calls. You are making those big decisions. You are going back to constituencies and getting flack. And people do fall off. That's, you know, if you look through previous governments, that happens. But I do think that... Um, Despite what Leo Varadkar, the Taoiseach, was saying about I, I dealt with a minority government, it's bloody hard work. So if one was able to have some form of understanding or maybe even a little bit more than that, it just makes that easier. The question is, what price do you pay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the skill too, I suppose. It always has been going back to 97 and when Seamus Brennan was chief whip, the skill of the chief whip and the skills there. And that puts the spotlight on Hildegard Docton and how this is going to be managed uh, in the period ahead, that that is a tough job, and and to really consolidate it and to shore it up, things like weekly meetings were a key part of it. The last time with the Taoiseach being involved, you do sense from Leo Varadkar that, and this has been the case the last time as well when he was Taoiseach, he doesn't quite have the the stomach or the appetite for overseeing these agreements uh, in a way that that Bertie Ahern famously had. When Jackie Healy Ray approached him with a big long list a very detailed list, particularly the second one, where he said, I know exactly what I want. And it was pushed across the table. Yeah. And Mildred Fox uh, as well. 
So, sorry, could just to get back to the Green Party there, you mentioned mm-hmm. Nasa Harrigan, quite a tough sanction for her this 15 months outside the party. Will she come back? And then we're seeing some unhappiness from the councillors, but probably not in the rest of the parliamentary party. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was interesting that so many of the councillors seem to have um, suggested. Was it to you they spoke about that, Paul, that they are unhappy on with that? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think to a certain extent there was a number, particularly down in Cork, who would possibly be aligned with the Just Transition Greens, yeah. who would be more reflective of the viewpoints that NASA Harrigan would have. I think within the context of the parliamentary party, because she had gone overboard before, the sanction of six months, which she got last time, yeah. was always going to be at least doubled. And I think it was also pretty clear that while on the previous occasion, uh, sort of uh, uh, the approach was to allow her to continue to be chair of oh, an Iraqis yeah. committee and members of other committees, my sense of it was that that was always going to be taken away. But I think the uh, bringing it up to 15 months to reference what Michal said effectively puts her out mm-hmm. for the rest of the term of this government. If we most of us believe yeah. that there'll probably be an election sometime September, October of next year, that's effectively I don't believe that. <clears throat> pushed her out. I don't believe that. Do you not? No, 2025. Are you, you going for a The March? election is going to be in 2025. Yeah, spring of 2025. Yeah. Uh, nice cold February election once again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 When, when it, it comes to it. Comes to it. Yeah. So the last, be nervous. Another, house, another house will be built. Well, that'll but, be the thinking. One more batch of houses. That's yeah. a good one. Uh, well, on NASA Harrigan, can I just yeah. ask, Michal, uh, you mentioned that, you know, effectively she won't be coming back to the Green Party. She's in a tough constituency anyway in Dublin Central because Mary Lou Macdonald would be expected to bring in a running mate next time around. Could she run as an independent? Yeah, I suppose so. And I suppose, I mean, a rebel independent is, from an electoral point of view, someone who has certain advantages then and has been seen to make a stand but I don't know. It's 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 a difficult it's a difficult one to call. People who broke ranks with government in the past and became independent, like Matty McGrath was the famous one, and did manage to to preserve his own his own brand, and it's still there going on. Mm-hmm. I don't know would NASA look particularly to, to, to mm-hmm. the Matty model. But I think she's very much a Green Club. member. Sorry for interrupting Sorry. you, but yeah. I think she really is very much a member of the Green Party. I think her heart is really in it. I don't see her. Someone... She said she wanted to stay in the party. She yes. has been saying that in the past while. You could see from the reaction after the decision by the Green Parliamentary Party to expel her for 15 months effectively and to take away the committee work, that that was something that really um, took a, a chunk out of her. My sense of it is that would probably still be the more overriding thing, that she's more green than anything else. So. I was just going to say that I suppose it brings it home to us as well how difficult it is for people to make a decision like this. You know, she's obviously was very much affected by it and being in the constituency where she is, there are a lot of people there who are renting houses yeah. and you know, they're probably getting a lot of flack in their constituencies about what's coming up. So I suppose it's understandable that someone would go against the party in that kind of a situation. Yeah. There's ways of being a rebel, though, around Leinster House, isn't there? A rebel with a long career. And, and the one of the most obvious is John McGuinness, who says all manner of things and yet manages to stay within the party. Will, Particularly will, against the leader will, of uh, leaders. Every leader, party. yeah. <laughs> uh, and would yet will come in yesterday and vote and, and has a committee chairmanship as well. So. Yeah. There are parameters, aren't there? Mm-hmm. To but I think we saw that the with, life of a with um, Verona Murphy in Leinster House today as well, who was very mm. uh, emotional when she was talking about this um, end of the eviction ban. And she was obviously had been in talks with the government about supporting them through those amendments that were that they were talking about. I still don't know what she meant about um, 
the viability of certain planning applications that um, she wanted lower density. density. Lower she density. was saying lower density would be more viable. So she said the guidelines mm-hmm. from 2009 are too restrictive, and if you're able to ease those, same people in rural towns don't want to live in exactly, and then that would allow that they, they have planning provisions already granted. So if the guidelines changed suddenly, bang, you could have I think it was seventy thousand. And developments would be able to get off the ground. I think that. But was is she right saying that too many people are objecting to the bigger? No, developers don't want to build because it's too dense. Therefore, it's not going to work. So it's like a sort of you release that clause and then. But why apply for those in the first instance? Then that just doesn't make sense. Yeah, she's talking about all those unused planning permissions that are just yeah. sitting there dormant. She also said, if any child becomes homeless in Wexford, she's going to bring that child to the doll and put him on the Keown Corla's lap. Yeah, it was quite an image this morning. But she was quite emotional. She seemed very exasperated, accusing everybody else of bickering. Paul, what about Mary Butler? This uh, These new deals with the independents. I think have probably all, Michal's probably the one who's been trekking that today. Oh, yes. So over, over, over to, to you. So she's unhappy with these deals <coughs> yeah. with the independents, a particular aspect. She wasn't of told it. about the, the main chunk, really, of that. Let's call it an understanding. Uh, she's the junior minister with responsibility for older, for older people, people. Yeah, and one of the big measures that the regional independent group got was put forward by Dennis Nocton, where the people who are in nursing home care at the moment, all their rental income, uh, they, they can't retain it all. They can retain up to 60% under recent changes. This would bring the, it to 100%. If this change does come to pass, but Mary Butler, who's in charge of this, uh, has worries that it could lead to people being put into nursing homes prematurely, she says. Uh, and so once the matter, there's going to be a review in April anyway. She wants that review to continue. Dennis Nocton adamant uh, that this has to go ahead. Now, he said the Department of Health have been trying to stop this measure for a long time. And there's, a, he says, a treble, treble form of taxation uh, on that income at the moment. And of course, ultimately, it's all about freeing up homes. Houses. Well, you see, the interesting point is Mary Butler makes that when they made the change in November, uh, raising it from 20% to 60% of the amount of income that could be retained, only 24 houses uh, have come up for rent as a result of that. That That's her point. But in fairness, if somebody is going to put somebody into a nursing home to get, to try and make money for themselves, well, it's not really going to matter to them how much money. You know, if you're going to be that mercenary about it, you're not going to be, have your mind changed about 20% of your of what you're going to get out of it, are you? And That'd there also is that idea, the, the safety net is that there is always a, a medical check. It isn't just you can pop in a relative into a home. That isn't the way it works. <laughs> I'd so. be gone if that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Paul, something exciting happening this weekend. I'm going to bounce uh, this question on too. <laughs> so, Labour Party, yeah. it's their first conference in a yes. year and a half. And it is Ivana Bacic's first conference as party leader. She'll do the big address on the Saturday night. Mm. What's the mood in the party that you're detecting? I think it's interesting that... Um, Ivana Bacic, the leader, we already know what her big play is going to be in her conference speech. She's going to say that the government's record on housing is appalling. Their decision to end the eviction ban is going to increase homelessness. And on that basis, for the first time in 23 years, the Labour Party is going to table this no confidence motion in the government, which could, as you said, trigger an election in four weeks. So that gives them something to rally around. That certainly gives them a focus. But the question for the Labour Party is probably what's going to happen next year when you've got the local elections? To what extent is the party going to be able to bring in candidates who they then would be able to grow and use in the general election, which is going to happen in October, <laughs> um, and be able to sort of, you know, uh, 
regrow the party, which clearly has been in difficulty. I think that um, there's a sensitivity in the Labour Party at the moment. I think there's a concern about the new leader of the Social Democrats, Holly Kearns, and what she might be able to do. Could she be the person who draws away those candidates, draws away that support? So it's going to be fascinating to see what happens in Cork, which wouldn't uh, necessarily be the strongest uh, constituency for the Labour Party at the moment. Michal, um, we've seen a sort of a new, it, it feels like a change of tack from Labour, this move to a no confidence motion to table it in the government, because up until now, Ivana Bacic has talked about being a constructive opposition party. It sometimes supports the government. It's differentiating itself from Sinn Féin, but maybe that just hasn't been cutting through. Yeah, and it is a very clear point and it comes back to their core belief, it seems, that a lot of people are going to be without homes quite quickly uh, and that it does require something uh, as dramatic and drastic as that. Even if the T-shirt does describe uh, confidence motions as pure political theatre, there's no doubt it is a big political move. Sergey, any thoughts on Labour? Well, yeah, I think they are in a difficult position, to be honest, because um, I think when we saw the bounce that the Social Democrats got when Holly Kearns became leader, I think that might have given Labour, you know, the they weren't expecting that to happen either. And now that there is real competition there between two very similar parties, except that with, with except. <laughs> <laughs> would they that, merge? Well, <laughs> they, they love it when you ask that, that question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, so and I think Labour, you know, when they had the change of leadership from Alan Kelly to Ivana Bacic, that there was kind of like a sigh of relief within Labour that, you know, here we're going to move on and make leaps and bounds now under Ivana Bacic, that they had been thinking that for some time and they haven't really seen that. So I think they've had to change tack, that they've had no choice but to try and sort of um, make their mark in a stronger fashion than they have been doing up to now. And it was notable that, as you say, the they are close to the Social Democrats and the Labour Party. And yet in her first news conference, the new leader, Holly Kearns, decided to give Labour a good kick. Um, it wasn't something that she was asked about. It was something she volunteered herself. So, it, you know, it is a difficult time for the Labour Party. And they're she having to push through. She said that Labour had broken the trust with uh, the Irish people. And it's, it yeah. hawks back yeah. to, the, of course, their participation in that 2011 to 2016 government. They've never maybe fully dealt with that and put it to bed. It's still damaging them. Well, this is it. And um, Richard Boyd Barrett of People Before Profit just a, a number of weeks back was talking about how um, Labour hasn't apologised yet. And on that basis, working class communities were not prepared to give them the vote. And, and Labour still fighting that fight years later. It's interesting, too, in the context of the Greens, isn't it? And John Downing writing about this during the week about smaller parties having to assert themselves more in government. And you do have a feeling that from that government of 2011 on, that fighting within government kind of went way out of fashion. It was seen as not the thing to do. It was better to be constructive and keep stuff within the camp. But that certainly didn't benefit Labour if, as they say, they did uh, manage to fend off some of the worst forms of austerity. At least that's the claim, whether it stands up or not. But you do sense, even though it probably won't happen given the, the unity with, at, the, at the top of government among the party leaders, that from a party preservation point of view, will the Greens at some point have to become assertive and, and start a fight, essentially? I think that, well, I think they know what they want. And I think if you look at the programme for government, the green fingerprints are there. It really comes now onto delivering on the programme for government. So that will be the fight. How far are they going to be able to achieve their aims, whether it is land use, whether it is transport policy or what it is. We know exactly what those topics are. Mm-hmm. I mean, Flipping back to the Fine Gael Labour um, coalition, the thing which I felt at the time was that Labour uh, not only was keeping its rousing government quiet, 
it wasn't as aggressive as it could have been when it came out about talking what they were doing, talking about their own goals and being able to communicate them. And I regularly remember as the editor of The Week in Politics at the time, trying to get Labour ministers in to defend um, was oftentimes complicated. Um, and they had good performers, but they weren't coming out. I suppose that's one of the things about this government that's very important for the Green Party is that they do stay in government until January 2024, 25, what you were saying, because um, the longer they have to put their their policies in place, the better it will be for them. Like at the moment, if they went to the country next week, you'd be saying, well, what have we got to thank the Green Party for? But that's, for, a, that's um, a calculus. It isn't necessarily going to be better by March 2025. It could be where you're looking at October 2024 and saying, you know, the recovery is beginning to... <laughs> taper well, off let's go now at least they'll be finished with building all those blooming bicycle lanes all over the place where <laughs> the traffic has been disrupted everywhere and uh, you know yeah. build programs the like logic that is there yeah. we'll bicycle seeing, lane yeah. all the way to the new house yeah it. <laughs> it's all about the houses really so uh, Michal everything this week dominated by the eviction ban in, in Leinster House anything else catch your eye no I think that that clearly was it I mean I, I did think the Taoiseach uh speaking so forthrightly about being able to lead governments and being there for the long haul was notable and was striking that there does seem to be a determination uh, within government to keep this show on the road because the stakes have become very high suddenly. For me, the thing was the um, small, only happening today, but was the finalisation of the committee members on the um, Special Rockless Committee to consider assisted dying. Um, we The Doyle had already chosen its members. Today, the Shannon Selection Committee decided on its five members. And so the expectation is that committee, um, which is going to be fascinating, could get up and running as early as April. So definitely one to watch. Um, I heard the Tawnish just saying in the Dáil this morning that um, he was being questioned about the Women of Honour report and when that's going to be published and he's saying that he's hoping himself to bring it before Cabinet next week. I, he, he didn't seem 100% confident that that would happen but the sooner we see that published and their recommendations being put into place the better. He also said that these recommendations would have far-reaching effects for everyone in the Defence Forces. So that'll be an interesting one. And also Norma Foley talking about um, an Irish language. Surprise, surprise, here we are talking about (laughs) Irish language, but an Irish language education policy in terms of the um, secondary Gaels, secondary level Gaels school now. You know, there's a dearth of um, second level Gaels school all over the country. The department is working on a policy paper on it at the moment and soon to be completed, she said. As soon as possible it will be available. Okay, that's definite. One one final point on on the education stuff. There are a number of school projects that are stalled at the moment and when it comes to negotiations with the independents, it is seen that speeding them up, which is something government would say they want to do anyway, uh, could be a key part of it. Then the question will be who takes the credit if the government are going to do it anyway, you know. The government are always going to do everything anyway on every list of independents. (laughs) Well, that's it uh, this week from the Your Politics podcast. I'd like to thank our guests, Paul Cunningham, Sir Gany Rida and Michal Lahan. Goodbye until next week.